All right, there we go. Okay, so we are. Um, if you're if you're using the book, we are we are on page ninety. Page ninety. We're still talking about the halachos of saying amen, uh, the correct prime place to say amen, the way correct way which it be, should be done. I believe we're up to the last point in uh, section two, which was the tone of voice, um, which is based on a pasuk in the Torah. It says Kishem Hashem Ekra. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Klal Yisrael, when I call out the name of Hashem, you should um, state the greatness of, of your Lord, to state the greatness of Hashem. We learn from there that the voice used in saying Amen should parallel that which the person who is saying the bracha says. So in other words, you shouldn't be saying, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be saying Amen louder or, to, or, or drowning out the person in the shots who's saying it. My grandfather, all of us, used to used to drive him crazy. That in some places you go into shul and and the people would say, "I mean, they're completely drowning out the sound, the voice of the of the of the chazan." That's uh, that's can, that's against the halacha. The halacha is you're supposed to do it in the same voice. The only rationale to do not like that. So if, if any of you, I don't know if the ladies are ever there um, at the end of the Yom Kippur davening. Um, so then you you know you'll know that they that they say the. They scream it out in a very loud voice. People say, say it very loud. The idea being is that the, the 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 volume is supposed to arouse people's kavana, their feelings, etc. So there, it's there where it to the degree that it's appropriate, one can one can say it a little louder. So amen should be said in a tone of voice no louder than that of the bracha itself. If, however, one wishes to encourage other people to answer amen. And either you're trying to get them to realize that you were listening to people's brachos and we're answering amen to them, or in general you're just trying to arouse other people's kavana, like that. What like uh, anytime you dive with yeshiva and they they answer in a very loud voice, the point is is more just kind of arouse those feelings. One may raise his voice as deemed necessary. Then that that is permissible. There are, however, situations in which one may not answer amen. Which we're about to examine now. Now it's not clear. This is not well. This is one of those areas of halacha that it's not clear cut. There seems to be a pretty significant debate to define exactly the situation in which the first type of amen is not supposed to be said. However, this amen is referred to as an amen yasoma. Yasoma yasom from the word yasom from an orphan, an orphaned amen, an amen that doesn't have, does somehow doesn't seem to have a bracha connected to it. So in what way am I separated from my brachos? So we'll get to the more simple explanation of that in a moment. But in the more complex, on the more complex area is like this. So even though it's not prohibited to, pro- prohibited to say amen in, in vain, right? It's not considered a bracha, it's not a shem Hashem. But Chazal mandated that under certain circumstances, one may not answer amen. Our rabbis taught us that there are times in which it's not appropriate to say amen. Remember, keeping in mind that amen is a declaration of agreement to the statement that was just made by the person, whoever he made it. The most common of this, of these is called, of these times when one does not say Amin, is called the Amin Yasoma. And there the post can present us with two different definitions of Amin Yasoma. There are two ways in which you can learn this idea, this concept of Amin Yasoma. Postkin, by the way, just a, just a, postkin means the people who decide halacha. Postkin comes from the word psak. A decision, halachic decision. So poskim are halachic decisors. This is what this is what they have written on the subject. The first definition of amin yasoma goes as follows: 
since Amen is an affirmation of the bracha one who is unaware of which bracha was recent recited certainly cannot answer Amen. How do you attest, how do you affirm uh, something that you have no idea what was being said? There can't be a bigger joke than that. You're actually, instead of uh, giving honor or, or showing respect to the bracha, in actual fact, perhaps on a certain level, you're undermining that bracha because if you're attesting to the reality of something that you have no idea of what was even said, then essentially you're not, you don't really consider what was said to be something that was so important. You're willing to affirm regardless of what was said. It doesn't make any difference to me. I don't even have to hear it. One cannot attest if he does not know what he's attesting to. And indeed, in this situation, one is actually prohibited from answering Amin. To answer Amin under those circumstances would be problematic. Accordingly, one who upon entering the shul Here's the congregants answering Amin. You walk in just as they're saying Amin. You don't. You have no idea what was said before. You just see everybody else is answering Amin. So you want to answer Amin also. You may not answer Amin in that situation. You should, or let's let me let me say it more mildly. But but the the point is halachically one may not do that. You should not be answering Amin in those circumstances if you're unaware which bracha was completed. Chazal call that an Amin Yisoma. An orphan, amen, that just as the orphan has no parents, so this bracha has nothing to attach itself to because you don't know what it was. That that So again, let's just clarify. That first opinion says if you don't know what the subject of the bracha that was just recited was, you have no idea what was just said, you cannot answer amen. There's an opposing view that narrows it down a little bit more. Other authorities present a different and narrower definition of amen yasoma. In their view, the concept of Amin Yasoma is limited exclusively to one who is listening to the recital of a bracha with the intention of thereby fulfilling his own obligation. And in this case, his listening is the substitute of his own for his own recital. That's what we call, we're going to get into this a little bit later and probably next week, the concept of Shomea Kaone. We've discussed it before. We have we have touched on this on this idea of one month before when we talked about making Birka Satara when you just think about them. Shomea Kaone, something that you hear, it's as though you said it yourself. So it's a, it's a, it's a it's an equivalent to saying it. So is imperative that you meticulously listen to every word that's being said, and failure to hear any word is the halachic equivalent of the omission of, of the recital of that word. Similar to that concept of Kriyasa Megillah, the reason why we listen so carefully when the Megillah is being read is because we are being Yotze, we're fulfilling our obligation to read the Megillah by having somebody else read it for us. So we are in this, all of us, in the position of Shomea Kaone, somebody who's listening to what's being said. Kaone, it's as though I, I said it myself. When I'm listening to a bracha, I'm listening carefully. If I want to be Yotze with that bracha, I'm listening carefully to everything that's being said. And therefore, I'm going to affirm that, that idea. So if one misses a word vital to the structure of that bracha, he cannot fulfill his obligation. And Chazal mandated, if one did not hear a bracha properly, then he may not answer Amen, even if he's aware of the bracha which he's responding. So previously to this, prior to this, the first opinion was that you actually have to hear the bracha. You need to know what you're answering Amen to. This says, no, even if I know what I'm answering Amen to, but I didn't hear every word of the bracha, I still can't answer Amen. I'm not allowed to answer Amen even in that situation. Um, uh, um, okay, in the opinion of these authorities, that's the unique case that we call Amin Yasoma. So in short, the first opinion maintains that the primary consideration in answering Amin is that you know what you're attesting to. You have to know what bracha you're answering to. If I don't know what bracha I'm answering to, I can't answer Amin. Um, hearing the bracha, however, uh, the second opinion maintains that knowledge of which bracha is said is unnecessary. It doesn't have to be the 
Rather, hearing the bracha is vital to answering Amen. Only if one wished to fulfill his obligation by hearing that bracha, then one has to answer Amen directly. So halakhic authorities conclude that one should follow the first and broader definition of Amin of, of Amin Yasoma, which means if I don't know what bracha is being said, then um, one should not answer Amin unless he knows what, what was said. So hearing the actual bracha is unnecessary. Um, uh, um, if, however, one wishes to fulfill his obligation by hearing the bracha, one cannot answer Amin unless he hears the bracha. That's for sure true. Now, the reality is um, that that uh, that that uh, uh, there is a situation in the, that the Gemara talks about, which he doesn't bring down. I'm surprised he didn't bring it in the footnotes over here. Um, there is there is a situation that the Gemara talks about where there was a very very large shul in a place called in a place called Alexandria in Egypt. As you know, Alexandria is a famous city. Alexandria in Egypt had, was a well-known uh, Jewish community, a very large Jewish community, and had a humongous, humongous shul, one in which, for whatever reason, the architects weren't that, weren't that uh, familiar with the acoustical engineering, and they were unable to construct a shul in which you were able to hear from one end of the shul to the other. You you simply couldn't hear. You were it was it was just too large. So the custom the Gemara tells us was that they used to raise a flag whenever it was time to say Amen. So essentially, there you clearly see something along the lines of the first opinion. As long as I know which bracha is being said, the Rishonim explained, the commentators on the Gemara explained. As long as I know which bracha is being said, then it's okay for me to answer Amen, even if I didn't actually hear the bracha. I know everybody else is answering Amen. I know what bracha you're saying. I know what I'm attesting to, and therefore I can answer Amen on that, which would seem to me not like the second opinion, which seems to seems, seems to indicate that the most important thing is to actually hear the bracha. Now, when it comes to Amin Yisoma as it pertains to Chazar Sashats, this, of course, is a very, very challenging part of this halacha, challenging in the sense that it affects all of us on a daily basis. Chazar Sashats is that part of that repetition of the Shmon Esrei that happens every day as the Tzibur and the first you say you're silent, and then afterwards the Chazan repeats the Shmona Yasser after you, and you have an opportunity to answer Amin on many, many brachas. Now, the, 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 the question is, how much, how carefully do I have to listen to the Chazar Sashats? How much attention do I need to be paying to what the Shlech Tibur is doing? Or let me put it to you in more contemporary terms. What in the world is the point of Chazar Sashats? Let me try to explain. The, rea- the, the background to Chazar Sashats is as follows. It used to be in the olden days, it used to be once a time, when people did not have Sidurim in front of them. Sidurim were few and far between. They were very precious and hard to come by. And they, any Siddur that you had had to be handwritten. And was usually there was one to a family and they were handed down from generation to generation, from one, from one, from one group of people to the next. And they, 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 that, that's how the Sidurim were preserved. Um, however, most people couldn't afford a sitter. Most families didn't even have their own sitter. They simply, they simply, simply were, was not available to them. So the, once the Chachamim set up, it used to be in the times of the Gemara, in the times, excuse me, in the times of the, of the Beis HaMikdash, in the times of the Holy Temple in Yerushalayim, everybody said brachos the way they wanted to say brachos. You davened, you said whatever you wanted to say, you made all your bakoshas on your own. In the time of the Anjik Nesagdol, at the beginning of the Second Temple era, so Chachamim came along and they established a fixed uh, a fixed liturgy for our davening. 
There are certain words. There's exact. There's an exact methodology. There's an exact way in which you should say which in which you should say your Shmonesrei. Now, that meant that everybody had to know the words, but not everybody knew the words. Not everybody, you know. Again, I assume that at that time, similar to the idea, I think everyone on this call, almost everyone on this call, can relate to the idea that we used to remember names, addresses, phone numbers, directions. We used to remember all that stuff by heart. That was in the days prior to cell phones or, or taking out something, uh, Palm Pilots or whatever else it is, whatever other device it is that you store your phone numbers on um, or, or, or that we've been doing probably for the last 25 years or, or so. And we've all forgotten how to remember phone numbers. Who, who, who doesn't remember the time when you knew any of you, certainly your, your inner circle, your 10, 15, 20 friends, you knew all their numbers by heart. Now, if I tell one of my kids, and do they know a phone number? They're, they're like they look at me like you're out of your mind. Who knows phone numbers? Boy, who know who who remembers what? Who remembers any any anything like that? Right? Who remembers directions? How to get somewhere? You could take, make a left here and a right there and go. No such thing. Turn on the GPS and go. Right. So the same thing applied, I believe, in the times of the Gemara. People remembered things better because they didn't have it. They didn't have a way to. They didn't have any other way to transmit it. However, there are certain things that were too long and too complicated and too hard, and they didn't know those things. So, so, so one of those things was the davening. In order to to accommodate those people who didn't know the whole davening by heart for whatever reason, they weren't they weren't privy or they weren't weren't they were never given the opportunity to learn and to study on that level to be able to memorize the entire davening. So they had to have somebody say the davening for them. That's that was the purpose of what we call, excuse me, what we call Hazar Sashats. The red the Shriach Tzibur's repetition of the Shmonasre was meant, and certainly initially originally was meant as a way for people who didn't have a sinner in front of them, didn't have the capability to be able to memorize the entire Shmonasre, that they should also be able to be Yotzu with Shmonasre. You're being Yotzeh Shmonesrei. That means you have to listen to the brachos. Remember, we just said, in order to answer Amen to a bracha, to be Yotzeh with the din of Shomei Ka'ona, that I am affirming the bracha that I just heard, and that should be as though I actually said the bracha myself, then we have to be talking about that the bracha was actually said in a way that you could hear it. So, <clears throat> the recital of Chazar Sashatz is central to our synagogue service. We, today, continue to say Chazar Sashatz, despite the fact that we all have Sidurim, and we all say the silent Shmonesrei on our own, whether, it, again, not necessarily, it's a, <coughs> not everybody is privy or has, has had the opportunity to uh, to have had a, an education where they learn learn to read Hebrew, and to, et cetera. So you, so you daven in English, but you have a sitter in front of you, and you can say that you can say the davening. You can always say the davening. It's, it's always been said by yourself. So what is this? But here, we maintain the custom of saying Chazar Sashas. The question is, what exactly is the meaning of that Chazar Sashatz? So, uh, those, uh, um, so, so despite the development of the Siddur and, and the almost universal ability of people to say their own tefillos, to say their own prayers, Chazar Sashatz has retained its stature of centrality to the synagogue service. It's a critical element of what we do during the davening, especially what we call tefillah betzibur, when we daven together with the congregation. So, uh, some authorities are of the opinion that the function of Chazar Sashatz has not changed. What do you mean? I, everybody read it themselves. It's like this. In their view, each congregant, although he has recited his private tefillah, has said his own private prayer, fulfills an additional obligation of tefillah by listening to the Chazar Sashatz. You are now being Yotze along with everybody else at the exact same time as everybody else 
That's called Tvila B'tzibur. That's the central idea of dominating together as a congregation. Since we're all listening to the, to the Shnef Tzibur say the words, it's as though we're all saying the words here at the same time. We're all literally davening together. It doesn't get more, it doesn't, it doesn't get more together than that. So in the opinion of these poskim, one has to listen to Chazar Zashatz in order to fulfill that obligation. And in the event that one did not hear at least the end of the bracha, the last words, Baruch Hashem, whatever it is, Shomeyat Tvila, let's say, for instance, one cannot answer Amin. Since in the opinion cited above that, if you're being yotzi with a bracha, unless you heard every word, you can't answer Amin, then that's a, that would be an Amin Yisama, to answer without hearing it. So, but what that does is that it engenders an obligation upon each person to listen to Chazar Sashats very carefully. It's not okay to be spacing out, to be looking at your friend and signing off to them. Of course, Chas Vashon, nobody's talking in Shul. That, that's a given that that's not happening. But maybe I'm, I'm pointing something out to somebody or I'm showing something that is showing them something that I read or something. No, you're supposed to stand there and listen to what they say. And I say stand there because the the, the main halacha, the, according to the Iker halacha, one should stand for Chazar Sashat and not sit. Now, other authorities are of the opinion that since every congregant says his own Shemona Esrei, he fulfills no personal obligation by listening to Chazar Sashat. I, I, I was already Yotze Mechiyov. I already did what I'm supposed to do. I don't have to worry about doing it again. One may therefore um, enter Amin according to those opinions, even if he did not hear the bracha. As long as I know they're making a bracha, I can enter Amin, regardless of which, of which definition of Amin we accept. As long as you know which bracha was being said, as long as you're aware of which bracha was being said, then you're good enough to say Amin. Post can conclude that ideally, one should listen carefully to the brachas of Chazar Sashats, regardless of whether or not we hold that you're fulfilling an obligation with that or not, one should listen carefully so that he may answer Amin without placing himself in a halachically questionable situation. You don't want to have a situation where you're saying, do I know what bracha they just said? I know they're in the middle of Chazar Sashats, I just don't know exactly where they're up to, and I can't forget, I didn't hear. Uh, but pay attention, know what's being said, and answer Amin so that you and answer Amin carefully. If, however, one did not hear the bracha, he may nevertheless answer Amin, if he knows which bracha was recited. I heard, I knew when they started the bracha that they were now up to the bracha of Alam al-Shinim. I didn't hear them finish it off. Right as they were about to finish it off, I turned around to blow my nose and I didn't hear them finish off the bracha, but I hear everybody else answering Amin. And I know which bracha they were up to, so then I can answer Amin also. That's that's okay. Poskim frown, you know, here, uh, you know, this is a this is a challenge for a lot of us, right? Then you're, you're standing there during during Chazar Sashats, and you're standing there and doing nothing, so it's very tempting to open up a Sefer and look inside, read the Sefer, post confront upon the custom of people who study Torah during Chazar Sashats. Since ideally one should listen to the entire Chazar Sashats, one should listen to it. If, however, you are able to focus enough that you know what bracha they're up to, during the Chazar Sashats while you're learning. So then my Rebbe held, again, here I'm putting in parenthetically, this is not in the Sefer, but my Rebbe held that one may do, one may study. If Again, the problem is with learning is you sometimes get very deeply involved in what you're learning and you, you don't even hear anything that's going on around you. Then you have no idea what bracha they were up to. But if one is cognizant enough to know what bracha is going on around him, Know what bracha they're saying, then you can answer. Not only not only can you do that, but you can answer amen to that bracha. However, there is a problem that since one since you're studying, one is likely not to concentrate on which bracha the chazan is saying, and one would therefore be forbidden to answer amen. You put yourself into a situation where you can't answer amen to a bracha. Not such a good situation. Uh, on on the flip side, I'll tell you this: 
my my Rabbi, uh, my Rabbi Tzuberkowitz, right? I know for a fact, I watched him over the years, learn through the entire Shalso Chubas Chassam Sofer. Chassam Sofer is an eight volume, eight volume Sefer of responsa of Rav Moshe Sofer, one of the one of the great scholars of the late of the late seventeenth, early eighteenth century. Um, uh, you, you know, there's a, a late late eighteenth. Sorry, excuse me, late eighteenth, early nineteenth century. Um, so the Chassam Sofer was the was Rav Moshe Sofer, the Rav of Pressburg. His Chuvos, his responsa is considered one of the classics. And I know for a fact that my Rebbe read through the entire Chuvas Chassam Sofer during Chazar Sashat on his day in his daily and his on his day in his daily learning. He accomplished Jewism in that, you know, six, seven minutes that it takes him to do Chazar Sashat. He was able to accomplish huge amounts, which by the way is just a lesson to you. You know, small small blocks of time. We have no idea how much we could accomplish. We would just use those small blocks of time that we have in our day. Just have something that you do consistently during that time. If you have a, if you have a consistent, quote unquote, downtime, I don't want to call it dead time, but a, a consistent downtime. And this is the idea of, you know, people listen, who listen to, listen to things on, a, on, on, on their MP3 or whatever it is when they're on their, on, during their commute or whatever it is. You walk, let's say you walk from, from your house to, to, to where you work and it takes you five, six, seven, eight minutes to walk. That eight minutes, if you would have a dedicated time, a dedicated thing that you would study during those eight minutes, and that way, you have no idea. After one year, you look back, you'd be amazed what you accomplish in that amount of time. It's an it's an unbelievable it's an unbelievable lesson. Anyway, continuing on, one who pauses before answering Amin. Here, this is the main idea. The main this is what happens more often than not. Somebody who makes a break in between the end of the bracha and answering Amin. That's also called an Amin Yisoma. That's also an Amin that is abandoned. It doesn't connect to anything. Time is a hepset. Time separates. Time stops things. And if you make that happen, then you've got you do have a problem. An additional type of Amin Yisoma is a situation whereby one does not answer Amin immediately following the bracha, and the Amin loses its connection to the bracha and remains orphaned. So then you, you, can, you can't just five minutes later pipe up and say Amin on a bracha that you heard five minutes earlier. It has to be what we say over last yasin at the time, excuse me, right away with what you're doing, within the amount of time that it will take you to say maybe two, three, maybe to say three words, which is um, at most, uh, at, the, at, the, at the longest, a three-second break. Within three seconds, you must answer amen to the bracha that you said. Now, I just want to point out one very interesting halacha, and that is that amen, let's say somebody answers amen, and I didn't answer amen until he finished saying amen, Right? You, that's also okay. As long as you answer Amin immediately after him, and the next person answers Amin immediately after you, and the next, and the next, and the next, and the next, as long as there's a contingent, there's something that connects the bracha to the last Amin that's being said, even if the last Amin is being said a full minute later, but it went one person, then the next person, the next one, one by one, they said Amin, and they answered within a, within a, within a heartbeat of one another, they answered Amin afterwards, that would also be okay. That he doesn't point out over here. That would be fine. But but generally speaking, one has to answer Amin within within about three seconds of, of the bracha being said. Amin should be said within approximately three seconds of the conclusion of the bracha. Answering Amin afterwards is considered an Amin Yasoma. Again, only if it wasn't connected by other people saying Amin in between, and is forbidden. One who wishes to join a tzibur answering Amin may do so even after three seconds if the majority of the congregants have not yet completed saying Amin. That's what he's saying. Now, if you connect the word to when the, everybody else is still saying the words, 
And my words follow their words. I'm still, I'm still connected to that. Now, there is one more situation in which one cannot say amen. One, sh- one should not answer amen. And this actually is a situation that comes up relatively frequently. It's something that happens on, a, on an almost regular basis. You'll hear in a moment. So if a, answering amen to a bracha lavatawa, somebody said a bracha that was unnecessary for whatever reasons, that based on the reasons that we said that we mentioned earlier a couple of weeks ago, concepts of when, when it's appropriate to say brachas and not appropriate to say brachas, somebody said an inappropriate bracha. Said a bracha when it either wasn't necessary or was in a place where he wasn't supposed to say a bracha, etc. Right. So, so, so then can I answer amen to that bracha? The answer is no. One may not answer amin to a bracha You cannot give your approval. You cannot say, I, um, I affirm the statement that was just made because I don't affirm that statement. I don't want you to be making that bracha. I don't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have said that bracha, whether it's a place where it's inappropriate to say a bracha, a type of bracha that was inappropriate to say. For whatever reason, that bracha should never have come out of your mouth. I can't affirm a bracha that you should not have said. One may not answer amen to the bracha of a minor when, result, when recited solely for educational purposes. This is a, such a difficult, this is such a challenging one. You have a cute little grandchild, two years old, and mommy taught him to say brachos. By the way, bad idea. This is not correct. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky said, said, you know what the problem when you teach little children brachos is? First of all, you usually teach it to them and you give them some, you give them a smile and you clap your hands when you hear them say the bracha and everybody says so cute and the kid, the kid feels so proud of saying the bracha and he puffs his chest out. Adorable. The problem is the next time you're giving the kid a bath, what do you know? He's piping up and he's saying the bracha also with the Shem Hashem. So he's saying a bracha in a, in a place where he shouldn't be saying it, dressed in a way that he shouldn't be dressed in a way, the time when he shouldn't be saying it. It's a not, not a good thing, not good chinuch. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenesi held you shouldn't teach kids to say brachas until they're five or six years old, until they understand the concept of what it means to say a bracha. Although before that, you really you really even shouldn't be teaching them. And that because of that, the, the following Allah is also true. You cannot answer amen to the bracha of a minor, of a katan, of a child, who, say, who is saying a bracha only for educational purposes. The kids come to school and we show them, we show, we, we, let's say they're five years old and we show them, right, here's a little piece of candy. What bracha would you say on the candy? And the kid says, I would say shahako. And you say yanko or whatever it is, Miriam, how do you say, how, what, how do you make the bracha of shahako? And they stand and they pipe up in their little voice and they say, Baruch Hashem. And they say in the name of Hashem, right, shahako, and you say, oh, very good. You can't answer amen to that. Especially, you know, this is especially true, Mrs. Yamna, you're on the call, right? This, especially you're, you're a kindergarten teacher and you taught a child to say a bracha. You can't answer, you can't answer amen to it when you, and by the way, if you are teaching a child to make a bracha, don't teach them to say baruch Hashem elokeinu. Then the next time they make a bracha, they're not going to say shem Hashem. You want them to say shem Hashem, like when we teach bar mitzvah boys. I tell them when they, whenever you teach the bar mitzvah boys to say the brachos on the Torah, tell them, teach them to say the bracha. Teach them they should say the bracha with the shem Hashem. You can't, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've stood up there, right, at a bar mitzvah, and the and a, the bar mitzvah boy gets up there and he says Baruch Hashem, and he embarrasses himself in front of the whole tzibur because he said he didn't say the Shem Hashem properly, and then he remembers right afterwards, and, or the Gabbai goes no 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 no, and right, every the tzibur goes ah, and right, and all of a sudden the kid's embarrassed because he didn't he didn't look, he trained himself, he knew that he was only saying Hashem Elokeinu because he wasn't really making the bracha, but if you don't practice. The way to say it correctly, you practice in the incorrect manner, that's the way it ends up coming up. The Gemara says a fascinating idea. The Gemara calls it Girsa de Yankasa, things that we learn as little children, things that we learn incorrectly. The Gemara actually brings a Misa 
that um, David Amel's that the Rebbe of of David Amelach, um, of of David Amel's general Yoav Ben Suya taught him that the brach the words in in Mechias Amalek uh, the, the Mechias Amalek is the mitzvah to wipe out the people of Amalek. So the pasuk says. Um, so we read that twice in the Torah. You shall surely erase as Zecher Amalek the remembrance of Amalek. When we read it from the Torah, we read it two ways. We read it as Zecher with a Tzeri, with the two dots side by side. And then we read it again and we say as Zecher with a, with a, with a, a Segel with the three dots underneath it. But he was taught by his Rebbe as Zachar Amalek. Now, the, what's the difference between Zechar Amalek and Zachar Amalek? Zechar Amalek is the remembrance, any remembrance of Amalek. Zachar Amalek means the males of Amalek. You should wipe out. So he learned, Yoya bin Shuriya learned that the mitzvah of Mechias Amalek, is, of, of uh, wiping out Amalek, is to wipe out the males of Amalek. And that's what he did. He only wiped out the males. He didn't kill out the rest of the rest of them. Well, that's incorrect. That's not. That, that's a mistake. His Rebbe had a, a speech impediment, and instead of saying Zechar, when he meant to say Zechar, he said Zachar, and Zachar is not is not correct. You, we have to learn to say things correctly because if we learn them as children to say them incorrectly, that's the way we remember them always. So you're teaching a child to make a bracha. You teach him to make the bracha. You teach him with the Hashem of Malchus. You teach him with the name of Hashem. You don't say Hashem Elokeinu. You say the name of Hashem. Ad. No, and, and etc. You say you say that you say the shem Hashem out loud, and and but when the child does that, you don't answer amen to that bracha because it's not a real bracha. Similarly, one should not answer amen to the bracha of a minor who is below the age of chinuch. If a child is less than an age at which it's time to say, um, uh, uh, um, at which it's time to say, um, it's time to educate him. Like I mentioned before, Rabbi Yaakov held between unless until until Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky held until a child is five or six years old. You shouldn't teach them to say brachos. If a child is under that age and he makes a bracha, even if he's making a bracha and a beautiful al natila sedaim, he's making his hamotzi lachem in arts, he's making his borei priagofen. Even when he's reciting it on food, right? But he has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't understand the concept of brachos. He doesn't understand what he's doing, right? So you can't answer. You shouldn't answer amen to such a bracha. Common, common custom, however, is to answer amen to the bracha of a child. We, with the minak seems to be that people do that. You have a little child, right? A tiny, the three-year-old, and he makes an al natilas yadayim. You may answer amen to his bracha, right? Um, um, even if you're going to answer amen to that child's bracha, it should only be a child who actually knows what he's saying, understands what the concept of the bracha that he's making, just like he understands the concept of saying please and thank you. So he understands the concept of making a bracha, uh, that, that the bracha is getting permission, so to speak, from Hashem to eat from the bounty that he's provided for us in this world. Okay, if he at least has that much of an understanding of what he's doing, the minute has become that one does answer amen to that bracha. Again, is it the right thing, to, appropriate thing to do? Again, that's that's the minute. What can I say? That's the custom. Really, you would not be uh, you would not be uh, out of line not to answer amen on such a bracha. Now, once a child reaches the age of chinuch and is aware of the meaning of the bracha, one must one must answer amen to any bracha that the child recites, providing it is not a bracha levatala, as long as the child is making the bracha for the right purpose. 
One must also answer, I mean, after the bracha of a deaf person, even though a deaf person may not necessarily be high in, in, in those mitzvahs, but he is required to make brachos, and you should answer amen, even though he can't hear you saying amen, you should answer amen anyway. Yeah. A bracha which is subject to halachic dispute. Let's say somebody's making a bracha, and I held that he's making the wrong bracha, or the bracha that he's making is incorrect. Let's say, um, for instance, right, uh, potato chips. That's a good, there's a good example, right? So potato chips, a person had a salad, and on the salad he made, Baripiyadama, and now he's eating potato chips, Pringles, right? Or, well, Pringles is not really a shallow. So he's eating a potato chip, and it's a suffix whether or not that potato chip was made from sliced potatoes or ground potato flour. What's the nafkamino? The difference is, if you make a potato chip from a, from a sliced potato, the brach is bere piyadama. That's pretty clear according to most poskim. Almost all poskim hold that way. If you make bro, if you make a if you make a uh, potato chips from ground potato flour, so that's reconstituted into the shape of a chip like Pringles. The bracha is shahakol. The bracha on that is shahakol, right? Um, it's not it's not hadam. Let's say let's say you're with together with somebody and they made a bere piyadama on their salad, right? They made a bere piyadama on their salad, and now they're taking a potato chip. And they start to make a bracha. It's a regular sliced potato chip. They start to make a shahakal miyabit barah. But you hold la halacha, like I just told you, because you went to Rabbi Shochet bracha shir, and he said that potato chips are bere adama when they're sliced potatoes. And here he is, this person, he's making a shahakal. Seems to be he's making the wrong bracha. Or, and not, not only that, not only is he making the wrong bracha, he's making an unnecessary bracha because you already made bari on the salad. So why is he making another bracha now on the shahako? You hold it's not a good bracha. Can I answer amen when he answers it when he says that bracha? So one who hears a bracha whose validity is subject to halachic controversy is not required to answer amen. Seems to be the halacha seems to be that you would not answer amen to that bracha. He may, however, so answer if he chooses, provided that the consensus of postkim do not reject the validity of that bracha. Since there are, there are enough postkin that do seem to say that the bracha and potato chips, since they don't exactly look like chips anymore, they don't they don't look like potatoes anymore. So therefore, you can make a shakol. So therefore, maybe you could you could be answer bracha. Accordingly, one who hears a woman recite a bracha on mitzvah sasei shazman grama, somebody hears a lady make a bracha on kiyashayfer, or a lady make a bra lady make a bracha on uh, on a, a lulav and esrog, or a lady make a bracha. On some other mitzvah, which is a mitzvah saseshas man grama, positive time bound mitzvah, right? There are only about seven of those mitzvahs in the Torah that 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 are that's no gaya, but they're relevant. She makes a bracha, let's say, on the um, uh, uh, yeah, on, on lulav and esrog, let's say, all right? So, so that in that situation, um, you could answer amen. You're not required to answer amen because some postkim are of the opinion that women may not recite that bracha, specifically the Sephardi postkim hold that a woman should not make, can do those mitzvahs, but she shouldn't make a bracha on them. We hold Ashkenazim, we hold that a woman does those, if she chooses to do those mitzvahs, she should make a bracha on them, and therefore it will be a shallow of answering amen on those. Now, here's another very common shallow that comes up. Bracha that you heard on the television, on the television, on the telephone, or on the radio. Unfortunately, you're probably not going to hear too many brachas on the radio here in America, but if you're in Eretz Yisrael, you might hear somebody making a bracha. And I'm going to point out one more one more situation where you hear a recording, so to speak, of that. Many times we have the chuba drasha 
right? That's broadcast from another place. And Rabbi Friend has in front of him a, 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 a cup of water. Usually before he starts, he picks up the cup of water and with a lot of kavana, he makes a shahakol nihia bit varoi. I can't tell you how many times I've seen, seen that happen. And people, there's a, there's a silent murmur of amen in the tzibur for this. Now there, there we're going to see in a moment, that depends on certain on certain parameters, whether or not you should be answering amen to that. There are situations where you should. There are situations where you definitely should not. So, the authorities discuss the question of whether or not one should answer amen to a bracha heard on the telephone or radio. And among the issues raised are the probability that some uncleanliness, human or animal waste, exists in the areas between the one who recites the bracha and the person answering amen. I'm not sure I understand that exactly because you know the it's not like the whatever however you understand that the sound travels through the through the air or through the through the sound wave how those trans, those sound waves are transmitted it's hard to understand why you would why something being there would create a problem of anyway perhaps this creates a halakhic barrier between the two that's what the minkas alazar the uh the uh the alazar says the minkas alazar is the munkachareva one does not hear, some say that you're not actually hearing the voice of the person. The sound that you're hearing is not actually the voice of the person, so you could not, you should not be Yotze. That's what the Shor Mitzion of Allah seems to suggest. Others argue and say that it is. That that brings us to the big Shiloh, whether or not, let's say, can somebody be Motzi, you Havdalah, over the phone? Are you Yotze if you hear Havdalah over the phone? Again, that will depend on this Machloksa postcard. The third problem is perhaps the Amin is being said more than three seconds after completion of the actual recitation of the bracha. That again, um, nowadays, I would say the technology is pretty instantaneous. You're pretty, there isn't much of a time lapse between when something is being said and you're actually hearing it. So authorities conclude that one should not answer Amin, although it's, although oh, one should, excuse me, authorities conclude that one should answer Amin under these circumstances. Although it's necessity is questionable, you don't have to answer Amin. You could answer, you are allowed to answer Amen in these situations. One who hears a bracha from a recording, if it's if it's being recorded, anyone that walks through the halls of PhDs um, during lunchtime when the kids are benching and you hear the recording going uh, of the of the singing of the benching, not but if you hear the kids themselves, you have to, of course, you have to answer Amen. But I'm saying if you just hear the recording, you're not answering Amen to that. And uh, since no bracha is actually being said, the same thing applies when my friend is up there. If if what we're seeing is a live satellite transmission of Rabbi Fran speaking, so live satellite transmission, you're hearing him make the bracha in real time, you, you could answer amen to that bracha. You certainly could answer amen to that bracha. But if what we're seeing is three days later a recording of something that was made, then it's not appropriate to be saying amen on that. Okay. What about answering amen on one's own bracha? Right? I'm sure that people have heard about this idea before, that making answering amen on your own bracha. So generally speaking, one may not answer amen to one's own bracha. One cannot attest to your own statement again, amen is uh, is is that I am affirming that the statement that was just made, I agree with it, and I think that it's true. If I'm making my own bracha, that's not a, that's not necessarily an appropriate thing to do. Of course, I think it's true. Otherwise, I wouldn't make the bracha. Furthermore, if one recites a bracha on food or on a mitzvah and answers amen, he has an, an affected a hefsek. He's made a break between doing the mitzvah or eating the food and the bracha that he made because he said something that was unnecessary. He said something that didn't belong there. So that would be problematic.
if two people say the bracha at the same time, I'm just rushing a little bit because I want to finish this section before we stop tonight. Um, if two people recite the same bracha simultaneously, one may not answer amen to the other's bracha. You, you're saying, you, it sounds too much like you were saying amen to your own bracha. So you can't, if you said the bracha at the same time as somebody else and you finished at the exact same moment as that other person, you shouldn't be answering amen to his bracha. If, however, they were saying different bracha, um, that's only if you're both saying the same bracha. Um, if, however, they were saying different brachos, they may answer Amen, but the right way to do that would be to stop for a second after your own bracha and then answer Amen to the other person's bracha. Um, providing that the brachos are not set over a food or a mitzvah, in which case the Amen would constitute a hefsek. If the, if the Amen that I'm saying now uh, is going to interrupt between my doing what I want, connecting myself to my, bra- my bracha, to, to whatever it is that I'm doing, then it's not really appropriate. In the opinion of some authorities, one may answer Amen to one's own bracha, if that bracha is the conclusion of a series of brachos. Um, so for instance, and the most, ob- the, 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 we're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth, but the, the one place where you all know about where we all do that is at the end of Ovenay, right? We say we say three brachos at the beginning of benching and then a fourth bracha of Hatov HaMetiv. So the first three brachos, Al-Aretz uh, excuse me, Hazan Esakol, Amazon, and Yerushalayim, and we answer Amen to our own bracha over there because that's a series of brachos. That particular series of brachos is, is an exception to the rule because there we're actually trying to differentiate between the first three brachos, which are a Torah obligation, and the fourth bracha, which is only rabbinic in origin and rabbinic in nature. We want to make it clear that we're making a difference between those, between those brachos. So one should answer Amen over there. Another series of brachos that we make is, for instance, at the end of, let's say, uh, when a person finishes Yishtabach, so that's the end of a series of, of things that, are, that were praises that were saying of Hashem. You can answer Amen over there. The end of Birkos Kriyashma, the, that's a series of brachos, whether or not you can answer Amen over there. In all those types of situations, um, it's, it may be different. The purpose of answering this Amen is to indicate that the series of brachos has come to an end, not simply to affirm what's being said, but to indicate this is the end of the brachos. So, for instance, at the end of brach of Yishtabach, some by Svartim, they, they say um, they answer Amen to that. The concluding brach of Halel, you want to show the Halel's over, so you say a bracha at the end. Or the brach of Shomer Amor Yisraelah by, by Mariv, that you want to show that the series of brachos surrounding the Shema is over. The Ashkenazic Kazim is not to differentiate between brachos, and therefore we don't say amen to your to your own even to your own concluding brachos, except for the exception that I mentioned before, which he talks about over here of Bonei Yerushalayim. Um, although the uh, the custom amongst Ashkenazim is not to say amen to your own bracha, if you ended Yishtabach at the same time as the tzibur ends at that in that exact moment, then you should answer amen to each other's bracha. Um, um, and the reason for this is based on two factors. One, their intention is not to answer Amin to their own bracha. And two, many posts rule that one should answer Amin even one's own concluding bracha. So for example, when concludes Yishtabach with the Chazan, you should answer Amin. Um, if you heard two brachos simultaneously, two different brachos, you heard other people saying two brachos, should I say Amin to both of them? Do I make one Amin and it goes both of them? How, how do, uh, goes on both of them? How, does, how do I handle that? So authorities disagree about one who hears two different brachos simultaneously should do. Some suggest answering amen twice, amen and amen again. 
and concentrating during each one that this Amin is going on this and this Amin is going on that. It's not so easy to do because when you say Amin, Amin, sometimes it may appear that you're that you are affirming to one authority and to another authority. It's as though you're almost as though you're saying has to show that there's two gods and they have to say Amin for this God and Amin for that God. So it's not so partial to say Amin, 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 just say Amin, Amin twice. The compromised position, which is the consensus of the postcom, is to say Amen ve Amen, because we find in Tehillim that it says Baruch Hashem Lo'elam Amen ve Amen. So there, since it says Amen ve Amen in the pasuk, so we're okay with say with your saying that. So you add that extra vav, you make it clear that you're not attesting to somebody separate, affirming to you and affirming to you. It's one affirmation, a double affirmation of the, of one of one thing. That's that that's uh, that, that's acceptable. Um, if somebody heard a bracha at the time that someone that, that someone around him was also saying something that was a punitive verse or something that, that has to do, that is a negative, so to speak. It says, let's say, it says, Vayichar Af Hashem. Hashem got angry. I hear somebody reading that pasuk of Vayichar Af Hashem. And at the same time, I hear somebody saying a bracha. If I answer Amen right now, as that person is saying that pasuk, that verse, that state that's talking about Hashem being angry and and the, and, the, and that that bracha. So it sounds like I'm saying amen to the fact that I'm happy that Hashem is angry. I'm affirming the reality of Hashem being angry. We don't want to do that. So therefore, it's better in that situation not to answer amen, rather just simply to be silent. That concludes basically an overview of the halachas of amen. But Hashem, next time we get into the concept of 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 motzi, um, of being motzi somebody else a bracha when I'm making a bracha on behalf of somebody else what are the parameters of that what are the, what's necessary for that that's what we'll talk about Hashem I think I believe next week I'll be around Hashem next next week otherwise next Tuesday that's the hope if uh, something comes up between now and then I'll be sure to let you know have a good evening everybody thank you can I ask you a quick question sure. So I, I have um, one daughter likes to call me on a Friday afternoon.